Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Zero Weakness Podcast. Hello. We are <laughs> brought to you by Establishment Coffee Co. If you want 25% off some... Uh, some beans, some coffee beans. Head to the web. Am I saying this right? <laughs> yeah. Head to the website. Put in zero twenty five. It's uh, www.establishmentcoffeeco.com.au on your next order. Um, we've got a very special guest today. We've got uh, a local legend here at Ground Zero. Uh, he's a veteran of powerlifting. He boasts a humongous total of what do you total again? 800. 800 at under ninety kilos. Wow. Uh, Joshua Takua. Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get into it, I'm, I'm just going to throw something out there to the universe. You people listening and watching, if you go to Google and you search for- <laughs> I already know every, what you're going to tell. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. You search for every zero gym, so Ground Zero, Zero Southside, Zero Mackay, Zero Brisbane, and give them all a five-star Google oh. review- with a nice review and go to the podcast, hit a Spotify five-star review. If you do that and you show me proof of that, I'll send you a free shirt. Nice. Damn. Throwing Good it out deal. there to your universe. <laughs> Limited time only. <laughs> uh, five minutes. <laughs> no, no, no. Till, till the end of August. Oh, end of August. nice. Do that before the end of August. Show me proof. If you've already rated something, just rate all the other ones. Show me proof that you've rated them all and I'll send you a free t-shirt. Cool. Right. Yeah. What a... What I thought you were going to say is go Google Josh uh, passing out on the platform. Oh, go do that too. Yeah, <laughs> I for seen sure. That. It's all over Where there. Was that it, was oh. on, it was on gym fails and everything, eh? Really? Yeah. So <laughs> this competition that I did, I cut eight kilos yeah. for a two hour weigh in. <laughs> and I think about, I, I want to say about four of those kilograms were water. The other four were just like food weight. Um, but anyway, I went to deadlift and I passed out just as I was getting to lockout, but I came to just as I was falling backwards. No. Anyway, there's this video of me and my dad was filming because my dad used to come to all my competitions at the time. So he's filming on his like, I don't know, even was like 340p <laughs> camera. And he's, he's like, go Josh, go Josh, go Josh. And he goes, oh. <laughs> and it's just at this moment where I fall backwards and I smack my head on the back of the platform and I pass out. And then obviously everyone runs over. But yeah, that was, yeah. That, no that's way. Bit, All so right, I, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, I uploaded it to YouTube or, or Instagram or something. And then probably the day after, I get this random message from this dude on Facebook saying, hey, we want to buy the rights to this video that you've posted. And then, um, yeah, whatever happened, happened. I signed this contract or whatever. And then they put it into like one of those fail army compilations. No way. So, yeah. And then probably for the next two years, at least twice a week, someone will be like, oh, is this you at two wow. minutes 16? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was me. It was me. That's I, awesome. I still get it all the time on my one as well. They, they put mine in a Kai Green advertisement. So Kai, right. Remember that one? Yeah, that one's good. So someone complained about that. Not me, like someone else that was featured in that video complained about it and it got taken down. It was an ad for Kai Aww. Green's programs. But it also got put in one... You know those real cheesy ads that people run and it's like doctors said he would never walk again and it's all just yeah. for like lifting straps and it's just like <laughs> stock footage or random footage. Of, uh, it was one of those. It's really? like the story of this like power lifter that hurt himself deadlifting because he was going too hard and wasn't using straps and straps were like the answer to it. And, <laughs> and one of the yeah one of the stock footage of people <laughs> passing out was me falling over. <laughs> so good. 
<laughs> you'd be he, you'd be in way more than than you know are out there. Wow. Oh uh, yeah, I so reckon. Good. I reckon. Yeah. Like you gotta show me how to find these when. We finish. I want to see. Yeah, no, CJ. We need to get CJ to edit the Josh passing out, but also the lockdown. Uh, so there's like a few famous videos of people dumping bars on combo racks, and then the combo racks <laughs> flipping, oh, yes. flipping over and taking out the lifter. Josh became one of them yes. during lockdown as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was probably my first big TikTok video, <laughs> and I was worried. So we were inside a garage, and there were three really expensive motorcycles yeah because this was in chris's garage yeah and like these were nice motorcycles and yeah so i bailed on this rack and as i was jumping over the rack you'll see it later but all i was thinking was please don't break the bikes please don't break the bikes (laughs) did it break the bikes (laughs) nah the weight just like hit the ground and kind of stopped and rolled i was like oh goodness (laughs) but yeah Oh, oh man i've done so many dumb things in the gym well, you've been training a very long time. Yeah. 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 So w- where did it all start for Josh Dekua? Why did you get into the gym in the first place? And, and how old were you? And where did you go from there? Uh, my dad was a bodybuilder. So he used to take me to the gym um, when he was looking after me. So mum worked full time. And so dad would take me to the gym. And so I'd just sit there and I'd watch bodybuilders pose and do their exercises and stuff like that. Sorry, your dad's still jacked. He's still got big calves and legs, eh? Yeah, he's got very large calves. Yeah. I think about the size of my head. <laughs> he's huge. He's massive. Um, and so I suppose that's where I first started. Like, And then obviously growing up, you, you see all these guys that are jacked and you're like, oh, that guy looks kind of cool. And then um, I suppose I started to get into training properly when I started playing rugby because we everything was based on weight grades. And so you had to be a certain weight. And so my weight grade was 80 kg. So you had to be at least 80 kgs to play. So I was... Uh, 16, 17 maybe. And so just trying to hit the gym, we just had a a school gym. And then uh, it was from there, it was mainly just like your classic bro type thing where you hang out with the boys and you go to the gym and uh, you buy supplements, you buy protein powder and you don't really know what you're doing, but you're just having a good time training. And then, yeah, I did my, once I left school, I did my personal training certificate. And from there, that's where I got into powerlifting because that's where I met Brett Gibbs. I don't know if you know who Brett is, but he told me that I would do well at powerlifting. And he was like, oh, you should just jump into this local meet that was happening. Is that how you got into powerlifting? Yeah. So NZIS, so New Zealand, it's the academy where everyone gets their personal trainers certificates. They run an exchange between all the different campuses. So Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington, and they were just a whole bunch of different sports. One of those sports was powerlifting. And uh, Brett was like, oh, you should just give it a go. Like, I reckon you'd be pretty good at it. And so I did it. And um, I won. And then, yeah. That's wild. That that's, was my first powerlifting competition. <laughs> that's amazing. So how, how old were you then and w- what year was this? Oh. Approx? I reckon I would have been, <clears throat> it was 2011. Mm-hmm. So maybe I was like 20, 20 years old, 21, somewhere around that age. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Did they have raw at that stage? Because IPF didn't introduce raw till 2012. So was it a raw comp or was it a NZPF? IPF comp. It was just a raw comp. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it wasn't like officially sanctioned as yeah. like a, yeah, uh, as a comp, but um, yeah, it was raw. Yeah. I heard, is it true that you've never placed any lower than second in your powerlifting <laughs> comp? Um, oh, sorry, I need, to, I need to rectify that statement. I've placed third once. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah. hold, hold the phone, because I've watched you bomb more than once. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay, so, we take, <laughs> so when you've completed a comp, you've never placed below third. Third place, yeah. Okay. So, so always been on the podium. Always placed wow. on the podium. And I've always, uh, yeah, so I've, be, I've bombed 
four times, one on each, twice on squat. Mm. Yeah. Nice. When When's the last time you've bombed? <sighs> I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, uh, Oceania's. No, was it Oceania's? Asia Pacific's? The, the one they held at, at Brisbane. That was the one I, I went and watched and you bombed on deadlifts, I think. You bombed on dids? Yeah. That's wild. Uh, what comp was that? 2016? It was, at the, it was at the expo. Oh, that would have been a 2016 expo then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> I don't know if many people know this, but Josh Takua is one of the first people I ever saw powerlifting. So when I got into powerlifting, I was, you know, on the internet, I thought I was kind of strong. I was like, yeah, sweet. I'm going to, I'm going to try powerlifting. I need to go to your gym. This is when I didn't even know you yet, Thomas. And um, so I was looking on the internet. I was like, yeah, cool. I can squat, I don't know, 170-ish. This is when I was like 72 kilos, 170-ish deadlift, 200, bench 130, whatever. And I was like, yeah, sweet. I'm going to be really good at this. There's no one else on the Gold Coast that, uh, that can lift this. And then I found Josh's page <laughs> on Instagram and I was blown away because I didn't. I only thought people like Brett Gibbs were on the like. I didn't. To me, they weren't real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I saw Josh Takua. I was like, "This is f- fucking insane." This guy's the same weight class as me, both under seventy four kilos. <laughs> See, this guy's uh both Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> but he was one of the first. Influ- power. Yeah, he was one of the first influences in my uh, powerlifting journey. And then I met you at uh, the novice comp. So that was a week before I met you as well, Thomas. Yeah. No, a week after, after I met you. After yeah. Yeah, and then I met you there, Josh, and we came pretty close, th- uh, pretty close then. But what also, what was the novice comp? Was it here? Nah, it was yeah, at a at the old, old runway, yeah. Bay, yeah. runaway bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was cool. It was because um, you were doing it as just like a tune up me because you haven't competed. in a I while. hadn't competed in ages. Was that your first comp in Australia? That was my first comp in Australia. Yeah, and I. Oh no! I think I might have still been. I was going to say I might have been the first competition I did as like under eighty kgs. Um, because at the time I was competing in IPF and I'd always been an 83 kg lifter. But when I moved to Australia, I just drastically lost weight very, very quickly. And that's how I ended up in the 74 kg division. Mm. I just yeah. want to, while we've got both of us on camera, I've got beard and long hair now, so we do not look the same. <laughs> I was going to say, that's how you found Josh. It was yeah. the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> They're pointing at each other. Every, everybody used to say it about us. They'd see each it's other true. like- You guys you sound the same when you're emceeing as yeah. well. Yeah. But people used to come up to me and go, do you know Josh Takua? I'm like, yeah. And go, you look like him. I'm like, <laughs> that's weird. Like, am I meant to know him because we look the same? That's real savage. I remember someone posted this Instagram video. I don't know who it was. I think it was a video of you lifting. Yeah. And someone said, no, I think it was me. And someone had commented that I look like you, that we mm. look the same on one of my videos. And then I commented, I was like, oh, come on, bro. James isn't that strong. <laughs> and, then that's wrong. and then James clapped back underneath. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm not that ugly. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I think I remember the video because you're wearing a beanie as well. Eh? Oh, I can't remember yeah, it. Now. It was yeah. so good. But we used to get it all the time. Yeah. It's like uh, when Edan, when people mistake me on the mural for Edan. And <laughs> Edan gets offended that people think it's me. And I'm like, bro, I'm offended that people think I look like you. <laughs> Oh, it's a lose lose. Oh, so good. But yeah. um, let's jump back into your journey into powerlifting, Joshy. Like you said, you've been powerlifting since 2011. Yeah. I want, I want to know the numbers at that first meet. What uh, did you hit? Oh, I think it was a 160 squat. I think my bench press was 110, and my deadlift was 220. Nice. That's still really good. <laughs> Yeah. And it was, yeah, I remember I, I remember it because we weren't, I didn't wear sleeves and I didn't have wrist wrap because I didn't know what they were yeah. in my first comp. 
because when Brett told me about the competition, we were probably two weeks out from it. And I was freaking out about the calls. Like he was trying to explain it to me, but like in detail. And I just don't cope when someone's like jamming information down my throat. So I was like freaking out. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to, it's not going to be good. Not going to be a good comp. But yeah, I was, I just remember I was so stressed. So stressed. Oh man. How good is it being a beginner though? Because when someone's like, there's a comp in two weeks, you're like, yeah, cool. I'll do it. Someone says there's a comp in two weeks now. You're like, nah, I need a year of preparation. <laughs> I need six weeks, change my diet. I got to peak. I, got, I need yeah, at need least to three my years. spreadsheets. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I need to graph my data. What the hell? Out. Oh, there's a comp in nine months. Not ready, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough time. So um, for, just to give people contrast, what are your best all-time numbers now? And gym lifts can count. Uh, best all-time squat, 300 kilos. Best all-time bench, 195. And best deadlift is three, 340 on a deadlift bar and 335 on a stiff bar. Mm -hmm. Wow. I want everyone's opinion on this. <laughs> so, um, like, for example, Josh squatted 300 at Pro Raw. He stood up with it. It got red because of, like, a bit of bar dip or something like that. But in my eyes... I think you're allowed to claim that as a lift. Like it couldn't go on a board that has rules attached to it. But I would I would say that you can walk away from that and be like, I can squat 300 kilos. What do you guys think? Are you I allowed agree. to say that if it's not perfectly competition standard? Mm -hmm. I, I think agree. there's, I think there's like, if it's high as fuck, you yeah. can't say I squatted it. But you squatted it to depth and you stood up with it. If anything, bar dip makes it harder. So mm. this I is, a, mm. I was actually, I forgot to mention this to you, Thomas. <laughs> Uh, we can talk about this off here. You know, there's a bit of politics involved. But there's another person on our board that uh, is a, uh, you know, did he get white lights? Andy. Yeah. For breaking his arm. Yeah. I gave it to him because he broke his arm. <laughs> <laughs> but, so Andy's, Andy's 310 squad on the board was red lights because he stood up with it, locked it out, and then his arm broke. Yeah, it was strong. He got before it. the rack call. Before the yeah. rack call. Mm. Yeah, okay. And in my eyes, I'm like, he squatted 310 mm. kilos yeah. and he stood up with it. It's just yeah. unfortunate that his arm snapped in half. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, to that me- it's very unfortunate. <laughs> I reckon we go to the committee, though, and we'll have a vote to see if uh, Josh goes on the board. All right, we'll get Buddy in. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say the committee's Thomas. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't mind, I don't mind that I got red-lighted because I, in my head, I was just happy that I managed to squat and stand up with that weight. Because that's the first time I'd ever touched 300. I'd n I've never put 300 on my back. That was the first time I've ever. That's amazing. And I'd been thinking about that for months. Mm. And I was like, I can do this. I definitely can do this. So I, the fact that I stood up with it, I was just happy with that. Regardless of the outcome, I was just stoked that I managed to squat 300. So, yeah. I, don't know. I think you burst every capillary in your body doing that as well. <laughs> You oh. looked like a different human after that squat. <laughs> I have this thing. I don't know if you guys get it too. Do you, do you get it? I get it equipped. Yeah. So what happens is the the blood capillaries in like your face, they pop. And so afterwards, my face just looked like a tomato. I was just red and I, yeah, it would look terrible. It happens quite often to me. Yeah. You get squat. covered yeah. in spots. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You get it. You sometimes burst them in your cheeks. Eh? Yeah. But Josh had it like over his entire face <laughs> and like, yeah. That's his whole sick. body exploded yeah. on that squat. It was a fucking awesome squat. Yeah, that was mad. I thought you he was gonna he looked like another uh person that was gonna break his arm as well on that squat, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it was unreal. Unreal performance. I'm gutted. I was meant to be there to handle you as well, but due to unforeseen circumstances I couldn't be there. Yeah. That would have been cool so though. You got second best. <laughs> 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 well, so so tell us for you know, you did that first comp. Yeah. 
And then what happened? Did you fall in love with it or did you go back to footy for a while? Were you still playing footy at the same time? I still play rugby at the same time. Um, what did happen? I just started doing, so my first sanction comp was the following year. So when I found out that I was semi-decent at powerlifting, I'm the type of person that if I find out that I can do something, I'm just going to keep doing it and I'll push it as far as I can until it starts to you know, affect the rest of my life. So I just started doing powerlifting because uh, I was good at it and it was accessible to me. Um, and I, I enjoyed it pretty much. So I joined up with the IPF. So in New Zealand at that stage, there was really only IPF and Capo, I think it was. Yeah, and it was tiny. And it was ter- it was run by like one small gym up in Auckland, and mm. they never really got big numbers. And uh, so, yeah, so that's how I ended up in the IPF. And um, from there, I just did local meets. And I always had people in my ear saying, like, you know, you can do, like you could go to Worlds one day or you could be one of the world's best one day. And at the time, I was young and I didn't really think anything about it. And I don't know, I just, just assume that's what you say to everybody when everyone starts in the gym. Like, oh, yeah, you're real good. You're making real good progress. Like, you're real gifted at this. And so I was like, am I, though? You know, like that, I, I never really thought that one day I'd be really good at it. So I just kept going at, at it and um, competition after competition. competition. Uh, so I've done 24 comps now since then. And um, yeah, I, I don't see me stopping anytime soon. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I suppose I gr- the my journey started in a gym. So the gym that I went to is called Powerhouse in Wellington. And it was very much an elitist gym. And I think this is where I get a lot of my mindset and the way I train and the reason I do things you know, today are very much from when I started then. So to paint you a picture, this gym had a room for squats and all the squat racks were divided up into different weights. So you could only squat in this rack if you could squat this amount. Wow. And so obviously the heavier you, you could squat, you got like to use the nicer bar and the nicer plates and all that kind of thing. So it was very much a gym of you need to earn your place in this gym. So if you were just to come to a gym, there was no chance you were using the Aleco or any of the competition stuff. You started like in the corner in this like piece of shit rack and you know, the bar was like so far bent <laughs> and the, the plates were just so terrible. And then, and this is the other thing, the, the weight that you squatted had to be in a competition. So it didn't matter if you hit this gym PB, you couldn't move up to the next rack until you hit that weight in the competition and no then you're way. allowed to move up. So that's a type of gym that I grew up in. And um, I think, yeah, that, that has a lot to do with how I progressed in the sport and and the reason that I am today, why why I am. But yeah. That's nuts. Did Was, um, you know, obviously Brett introduced you to the sport. Uh, did you guys ever train together? Did you work with him at all? Like it, 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 uh, it would have been, I think anyway, you know, from my perspective, I don't know how you feel cause you were sort of, um, in a similar weight class and everything. Was it inspirational? Was it good having someone to chase like that? Was he around while you were, I, I don't know much about his like training history. I, I only came aware of him like 2015, 16. Oh, okay. And, so when he was like peaking. Yeah. Yeah. So I, Brett started off as an equip lifter. So when I first met him, he was just getting into Raw and he had already won titles around the world and, and equipped. And uh, so I didn't, and because I didn't know much about the sport, I, all I know is I was like, oh yeah, Brett's like one of the best in the world. And you don't, so I, you know, later on you find out like how good these people really are. Mm. But we trained, at, he lived uh, probably in, Mar- so he lived in Marston, which is like an hour away from the gym that I went to. And so we would train maybe together once every Oh, like once in a blue moon, pretty much. 
he kind of kept to himself. He trained, I think he had a coach up there in Masterton or whatever, and he sort of trained by himself. But every time he came down, I made it a point to try and try and link up with him. And we, we did our personal trainers course together. Mm. So that's kind of how uh, I started, you know, being friends with, with Brett. He was always in the same weight class as me. So I never, ever went into a competition worrying about, like, trying to win because I just knew that there was no chance in hell <laughs> that, that, I would, that I would win. Um, because when I, th- I think the first comp that Brett and I did together, he was already squatting 600 pounds, so 272.5 kgs. And back then, very, very few people in the 83 kg class were squatting 600 pounds. Like it was very rare for someone to be squatting that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a global scale, everyone was like, holy crap, this guy's so strong. So yeah, so I did look up to him in that sense. And I was like, wow, this is how far the human body can be pushed. But I never really competed with him because I never saw myself in the same class of lifter as as he was um, but it was definitely a driving force in regards to like yeah I wonder how far I could take it if I push my body mm. so, yeah he came here and trained with us for like a week or something at the old gym as well and um, I don't know if you guys know this about me but I'm super competitive just not at powerlifting as in like when I'm at a powerlifting comp I'm, I'm only driven to beat me. I'm like very self-motivated. But if we're downstairs, like if we go downstairs after this and, um, you know, James is like, oh, let's see, you know, how many reps we can do of this stack on a tricep extension. There's, there's no way I'm losing that. Like I will, I will tear every muscle in my body in order to win something like that. I've got stupid competitiveness. So when Brett was here, we were doing, we were training together and we were just doing rows, like seated cable rows. Uh, and... We were just warming up and we got to the whole stack and like I did 12 and then he jumped on and he did 12 and he stopped and he looked at me and then he did one more. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, okay, let's see, let's do this. So I got on and I did the same thing. I did 13, then I looked at him and did one more um, and then he did the same thing and then I just went all out and I did like 20 reps or something and it, like for me, when I go into those situations, I'm not losing but for him, he had that times 10. <laughs> so he got on, and the same thing. He he was not going to stop until he beat me, and he fucking crushed me. Yeah, the um the nature of Brett's competitiveness because yeah. he's the same. Like he's a different animal when he's in competition. Because I I handled him one time at Worlds, and holy crap! Like I just didn't know who this guy was because he just he just transformed completely, yeah. and I was like, what the hell's going on? But um, he's he's just got that mentality of like win or die. Mm. That is Brett, like all over and like people always uh rip him uh because like his total you know like he his totals are not always like climbing 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 but when brett goes out to to a meet he's going out to win Mm. so he doesn't really care about his total you know like if he has to pull an extra 40 kgs on the deadlift to win he will try and do that yeah um and that's why you know that's i don't know if you guys have followed him much but like the between him and hack and him and russ swole same thing. Like when he competes, he's out there. He's, he's leaving everything out on the platform. And I, I admire that about him so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's just like, if I'm not going to win, I'm going to die trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mad. I still remember watching him go head to head with Russell Warhe for the first time. Yeah. And he totaled 10 times body weight. That was the first time he ever totaled 10 times body weight. Yeah. But he was, he was like one of the, he was like one of the first really strong people like in powerlifting in the sure. IPF that I saw anyway. For raw as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't Brett's podcast. This is Josh's <laughs> podcast. Let's, let's, let's get back to Josh DeCourt. Um, so tell us a little about, a bit about your evolution in powerlifting then. So, you know, you started competing. When did you do your first nationals? What international comps have you done? 
Yeah, okay. So my first nationals would have been 2013 nationals, NZPF nationals, IPF, and that was in Christchurch. Uh, and that was, I've, I think that was my first YouTube video that I've got up about me competing. Nice. Um, so you can go back and watch how terrible <laughs> yes. my technique was, but it was so bad. I was wearing this real bootleg wrestling suit. <laughs> I was wearing the Romelio twos, like the bright yeah, yellow nice. ones. And I just thought I was the man. Um, I wasn't the man. <laughs> um, so that would have been my first nationals. Uh, and then I suppose the natural progression after there was Oceania's for me. So then I attended uh, Oceania's in Melbourne, uh, held at the Quest Hotel, I can still remember. And it was, um, I think from there, international just the international thing just opened up for me. So I kind of got to a phase where I was, I wanted, I got my first taste of seeing people that are stronger than me. Like, because up, up to this point, I was, not the strongest guy in the gym, but I was I was up there. Mm-hmm. Like I would be able to keep up with because I was trained with people that were two, three weight classes stronger than me. So I was used to like pushing myself, right? And you don't really realize it, how much of a bubble you're in until you look internationally. You look at other lifters around the world, um, and so this was my first taste of seeing other people. And I was like, "Oh crap, these guys are strong!" And like these are obviously people that've been doing it for a lot longer than me. So that was my first taste of international. And I was like, after that. I was like, I need to do more international competitions. I need to see more fierce, like, you know, matchups. I need to get to more world championships and I need to do more. I just need to do more because I want to be exposed to this a lot more. Um, and and I think that's that's probably where I got my taste. So any opportunity I took, so I started doing Commonwealth. So I started doing, I went to, I went to Worlds. Um, and I suppose at the time I was still a student. So I had to match up sort of studying and, and traveling. So between the two, I just tried to compete as much as possible. Without. On that, I want you to talk about your experience at IPF Worlds. Like, um, if you're a fan of powerlifting, you uh, you can look back at it. You'll see he was competing against people like Johnny Candido, uh, Brett Gibbs. Like, if you know Johnny Candido, Thomas. Yeah. 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 Like every yeah, every. Sorry, you looked. I thought you looked at me like you didn't know who he was. Um, yeah. So like, I want you to talk about that experience and like seeing people like that in the flesh. What was that like for you? Absolutely wild. Like, I've. I've got no problem admitting that, like, I'm a fanboy, like we were discussing before. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a real nerd. Yeah. So, like, meeting people in this industry, I'm like, I, I'll i get, like, sweaty hands, I start shaking. I'm like, oh, my God, it's that guy. Like, I've watched all the new videos. Like, I won't say it, but, like, that's what I think of my head when I see. So, I remember the first time walking. So, this was in Finland. And I remember walking into the arena. And up until this point, everyone was like, oh, you have to go to Worlds. Like, it's a, it's a brand new experience. Like, you'll absolutely love it. Like, it's... You know how people tell you things, but you don't really know what they're saying until it hits you and you have this epiphany and you're like, oh, shit. So anyway, I walk into this building and everyone's in like their country team tracksuit. And you're like, Sweden's over there. And, you know, like New Zealand, the New Zealand team walked in and like the US is over here. And then Great Britain rolled in. And you're like, holy crap. <laughs> this is like the movies. And it was just, <laughs> the, like, at- the atmosphere was unreal. I was like... I could. I just didn't know where to look. I was like shaking. I was like, "This is the best thing that's ever happened to me." I can't believe that I'm here. It was, and I just couldn't get over it. Literally for that whole. And this was just the rego day, so you got to. <laughs> this is. I wasn't even lifting this day, um. So I. It was the day that you had to go, and you got to get like your ID and your passes and pick up all your stuff, um. And I just remember looking around, just being like, "I cannot believe that I am here." I suppose the and where I was, I never didn't. I didn't think that I deserved to be there either because I was like, 
I'm some small kid from like New Zealand. I don't really know what I'm doing. I've been lifting for all of three years and I'm now at Worlds. And I was like, I just couldn't believe it. But it was genuinely the best like wow experience of my life. Like I couldn't think of any other sort of experience in my life where I was like that much in awe of what was going on and the 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 privilege I had of just being there. But it was just incredible. And then meeting like Candido for the first time, I remember we were getting ready to weigh in and we're all in this long hall. And because I was so excited, I turned up way too early. So I was at the front of the line. <laughs> and, uh, um, who else was there? So it was at this... It was me, Candido, and Owen Hubbard. Yeah. O-Hub. So there were, and I would, I just remember like staring, and I was trying to keep it cool at the same time because I was like, shit, this is Candido. Like this guy makes like mad YouTube video. Do you know who Candido is? No. Johnny Candido? So he's like, he's like the, he's like one of the OG of like powerlifting. Yeah. He is. He really is the OG. And he's still going now. But yeah, so I just remember meeting him and thinking, wow, I've watched like all of your videos you are the reason I bought my squat shoes and like, I'm just so happy to like meet you. And I didn't, I got choked up. I didn't know what to say. I was like, Oh, Hey man, how's it going? <laughs> and then you just ask all the, like the normal questions like, Oh, how's, how's your weight? How's, how's your flight? <laughs> like nothing. I'm, I'm sure you just thought I was a munter at the time, but yeah. And then um, I remember meeting Owen Hubbard because he was like, in my head, he was like the pretty boy of powerlifting at the time because he like had this quiff like this hair where they were like slick back. And I just remember him, he rolling in and then I just remember all the all the girls like turning around and being like, like whispering. They're like, oh, Owen's here, Owen's here. Owen's, Owen's here. <laughs> and I was like, man, that guy's, I want to be like that guy. <laughs> I, like, I want to walk, I want everyone to look at shit. Yeah, honestly, man, it was such an unreal experience. And yeah, I, I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Who had bigger legs out of you and Johnny Candido? Me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who had bigger eyes? <laughs> He's got huge eyes. He really? does. Yeah, yeah. yeah, real big. Mesmerizing. <laughs> He's the man. I love Johnny Candido. I used to watch all his videos as well. And I remember because he's he's roughly our height, five five, five six. Yeah. Yeah. And because he can dunk as well. He's yeah. so athletic. He's a very really? athletic human. Yeah. yeah. Like proper dunk with a ball. Like I used to be able to like graze the rim, like touch it. But he used yeah. to be able to dunk, so he'd get no right way. above the rim, yeah, which is nuts. Yeah, but that's really cool. Who else did you get to? Um, who else did you see? Not in your weight class, but who else were you like? Holy shit, that's we like that's Isabella uh, von Wa- uh, von Weisenberg. Is- Isabella von Weisenberg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't even know if that's how you say her name. It is. Okay, okay, yeah, cool, cool. Like, do you see like Bryce Crawshick and yeah, yeah, and I saw. Um, for me, it was seeing the super heavies because yeah. I was like, I've, I just hadn't seen people that big before <laughs> that weren't just fat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, because these guys are like big and muscly. I think it was the first time I met Jizza, Jizzy yeah. Whipper. Yeah. Uh, Kelly Branton at the time was like a pretty oh, big deal. Yeah. So I was like, Canadian? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> um, who else is there? Oh, there's probably a ton of people. Lane Sumner? Was he there? I don't. Was he doing a quick. No, he. He wasn't there. I don't think he was there. Mm. Jezza, he's the man. Quick story on Jezza. Remember when uh, me and you got a photo with Jezza? Yeah, yeah. And then he asked us for a photo? Yeah. And he asked us for a photo and he posted a photo of us on his yeah. Instagram. Really? <laughs> it's because he, he likes me. Yeah, he's so nice, eh? Yeah. Nicest dude. Nicest dude. Yeah, but... um, No, that's really cool. So what, what did you end up uh, lifting at that meet? I think I totaled... Oh, something not very good. You still managed the podium finish, though. 
third place on body weight. Oh, wow. Is that open or was that junior? It was junior. So the so the reason that I went to Worlds was because it was my last year as a junior and it yep. would have been my last chance to sort of experience the world stage while I was yep. a junior. So, yeah. Um, and was that... I want to say seven... 760 maybe? Some, or something not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Far out. Is, that, is that 2014 or 15? 2015. Yeah. yeah. So I I th- I missed my third squat mm. and I missed and I got everything else I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So Wait, yeah, 660. 660 or 760? Oh, it's one of the two. Sorry man, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it was years ago, man. It was it was it was a long time ago, but I remember because Brett was handling me yeah. for that meet. And um, I had, that was the first time I'd ever deadlifted 292.5 kg. So that had to be my third deadlift to win. Mm-hmm. And I remember him asking me, he was, because, yeah, so it just came down to body weight. And he was like, if you want to win on body weight, you need to pull this. And he goes, can you do it? And I was like, fuck, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> I didn't know. I'd never touched it. <laughs> I never touched to, to anything over 280, I think, up until that point. Yeah, wow. And um, that was honestly the most emotional lift, I like, to this date. I've ever had was that last deadlift. I remember walking out to the platform and like, I don't know why I do this. This happens to me sometimes. I just get teary. Like I, like I'm going to cry. Like, you know, when you're watching like a sad movie and you're like, oh, <laughs> that's what it felt like. And so I like, I could felt, feel the like tears coming up in my eyes and I haven't even set up for deadlift yet. So there's this photo of me before I do the deadlift and I'm looking up into the sky. And the only reason I'm looking up into the sky is to stop the tears from falling down my face and then I just pulled the deadlift and I was and I just remember I've distinctly vividly remember the feeling of pulling this deadlift and it was the best feeling in the world and then I put it down I got three white lights and I jumped as high as possible into the air I was so happy but yeah it was one of the greatest experiences ever hey so good so good um so when did you when did you move over here what year was that 2017 and what sort of prompted the move nothing uh, I was uh, dating a girl at the time and she had been headhunted for some job and I wasn't really doing anything at the time. So I just was like, oh yeah, I'll just come over to Australia, I suppose, and see what happens. Nice. It's not too far from home. So if anything, <laughs> anything happens, I'll just move home. And I just never moved home. So yeah. Have you been on the Gold Coast the whole time? Been on the Gold Coast yeah. the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Which is strange because I don't cope with heat at all. Yeah. Like in summer, I'm dying. <laughs> it's not that bad here. It's really not. I could imagine west or up it north. Is. Yeah. So no, it's not. I could <laughs> in the gym, maybe. I could imagine Josh getting some pretty gnarly chafing, eh? In the summertime, <laughs> you got some. You got some big legs there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't chafe. Everyone yeah. asks me what to do to, and I can never tell if people are joking when they're asking me how to stop chafing. <laughs> but I just, I've never had chafing's no, never been an issue for me. If you've had big legs forever, you don't chafe. Mm. If you didn't have big legs, then you have big legs, then you chafe. Yeah, maybe it's just callous. I'm calloused. Yeah. Fuck, what was I going to ask? So a lot of a lot of lifters felt a bit lost and like the rug had been pulled out when the split happened. Yeah. Um, you know, because you've come from New Zealand, you find this with a lot of, oh, not a lot, but uh, no, I'd say compared to PA lifters, New Zealand lifters are a little bit more liberal because there hasn't been such segregation over there. Like I could always go over and handle my IPF lifters at NZBF comps. Uh, the, the previous president was always really nice to me. He let me find a loophole so I could be a coach representing New Zealand for um, Asia Pacific champs in 2016. And then Wilkes found out and threatened to ban all my lifters. If they, Was that Graham? Uh, Steve. Steve, yeah. Yeah, no. Louis Search. Not Graham. Yeah. No, we don't like Graham. Um, 
yeah, anyway, I'm not making this about me and politics, but did you feel the same? Did you feel like the rug had been pulled out? Did you feel a bit lost there for a little while? Yeah, most definitely. So I had signed up for, it was during a fitness expo, so when the comps used to be held at the fitness expo. I think it was the Sydney Fitness Expo, and it was literally just before the lifting had started, and uh, Steve had come backstage and told us that it was going to be a world powerlifting meet. And so I was confused because I was like, I, I didn't know what world powerlifting was. So mm. f- f- it's it's just another federation. Yeah. So when the split happened, we had these two federations and everyone was torn. No one really knew what was going on. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know the transition had happened. So obviously a lot of stuff had gone on in the background and they had just announced that we were just a new federation at the start of this competition. And I was wow. like... What the hell is going on here? <laughs> like what? Like, I, and I just didn't understand. I couldn't fathom like what was going. Like why would you do this? What? Why now. would you tell me like a half an hour before I'm going on to lift type of thing? Mm. Not that it. Did it change anything? Like uh, weight classes. Yeah. Weight classes, standards, and records. Yeah. Wait, so did the weight classes change on the day as well? <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Or like, well, so because. So expos work a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. We're like at, at nationals, for example, you you would have everybody in the same weight class lift. So you'd be like, these are the, I don't know, 80, 82.5 lifters. These are the 90s. These are the 100s type of thing. But at a fitness expo, you, it's more of an invitational. So just anyone. So you pretty much, it doesn't matter what weight class you are. You're just still on the same flight. Mm-hmm. So it didn't really matter for us at the time because we were just lifting and just trying to lift our best. But like if you were someone that was going for a record mm-hmm. and at the time you could only break a international record at one of these fitness expos yeah so for a lot of people that were training their whole time to break a record for those people i probably i felt for yeah um but yeah it, it was even after that and all the dust had sort of settled and you had time to take it in you're like wow this is really shit like there was just no other way to describe it because you just you didn't know what was going on um, and then you would hear different things from different people and different gyms wanted to align with different people. And it was just a lot of, for someone who loved the sport and just loved the community, for something like that to happen, it did feel like, uh, it just felt like a bad breakup. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> sorry, Thomas. Um, it's it's one of those things like, so right now we're going to get into it later. You're you're the state chair of the USAPL, yep. but you've competed in a APL as well. You've always been the kind of guy that just like, like you said, you just you love, love powerlifting. powerlifting. Yeah. Yep. So you compete anywhere. You'll come and watch any comp. You'll hang out in any comp. You'll yep. help out where you can. So you've never really had that elitist uh, world powerlifting or PA yeah, for mindset. Sure. Like what made you, what made you stick around with world powerlifting for a few years after? Uh, probably just the people that were around me. Yeah. Um, so I built a lot of great relationships through powerlifting. And when you start to go on sort of, uh, I don't know if it worked the same here in Australia, but you, there's a board and the board would vote on who they would want to send to international competitions. Yeah. And then um, when you were sent to a competition, you got given money. So the, the federation had a pool and they gave you like some sort of allowance. So um, you, you over time go into more competitions, you start to just build relationships with people and, um, they start to give you more information and they start to trust you with more sensitive stuff. And you, yeah, I suppose the people that were in world powerlifting at the time were the people that I had the closest relationship with. For sure. And I thought if I'm going to go support a federation, or if I'm going to lift for someone, I'm going to stay with the people that supported me. Um, and so that's, that's why I stayed in world powerlifting is because the people that supported me uh, still took care of me. And mm-hmm. I, I felt like, not that I owed it to them, but I think that it was only fair to reciprocate. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Were you at the 2017 NZPF Nationals where they brought up Steve um, Wilkes and Graham was off in the crowd? I didn't. I wasn't there. That was the most dismal display from like grown men I've ever seen in <laughs> yeah. my life. They're like pulling the microphone off each other and like shoving shoulders. Wilkes, oh, it was just fucking disgusting. Anyway, um, <laughs> <good fun. laughs> but going back to what you said before, like I just love powerlifting and I think it's a sport that can grow regardless. It's it's a it's a niche sport, hobby sport, whatever you want to call it. I just think that um, if one grows. All of them are going to grow. Yeah, I think for sure. There's this scarcity mindset, and I think about this often. I remember when I first start, uh, first got into personal training. I remember a lot of people saying to me, "Why would you become a personal trainer? There's all there's already so many. What's another person like? How are you going to be successful as another personal trainer?" And guess what? There's still people becoming personal trainers mm-hmm. every day. Yeah, you got people that are online coaches. What are you just not going to be an online coach because there are already so many online mm-hmm. coaches? Like. The, the, you've got different people that cater to different things, and I don't. I think the powerlifting market is no different. You lift in a federation for certain reasons. Maybe you like the equipment they use. Maybe you like the people that run the competitions. Maybe you like, you know, the people that you get to compete against. Either way, it's there's there's room for growth across the entire thing. I think Absolutely. people get caught up and they're like, oh, if one federation grows, we're gonna die. It's not. It's it's not gonna happen. There's room for everybody. And powerlifting is, we, we always say it every year. Every federation says it. We've got more memberships than last year. Well, maybe not this year, but we got, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a thing that's constantly growing. And I, you can just, it's blatant to see. You've got commercial gyms now that are having powerlifting equipment because the demand for it is there. Yeah, You're having more and more powerlifters every year. It doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, I don't really, I don't think that lifting in a certain federation makes you a better or worse person. We all lift for different reasons. Some of us for competitiveness. Some people just because we just enjoy it. I, I don't think it makes you any better or worse where you choose to do that and what rules you choose to do that by. I just think that if one grows, we all grow, and I think that's that's how we're going to grow the sport. I know we've um we've spoken about it on the podcast before, but that was one of my favorite things about uh PA falling and crumbling was everyone being exposed to other federations, things like Pro Raw that brought everyone together. Mm. Um, <clears throat> like the Melbourne Strength Culture, you know, they were taught some of those boys, they were taught to believe other federations were criminals. You know you know what I mean? Like mm. people that ran those federations were drug dealers. You know, they use fucking gear. Like, you want to yeah. stay away from them. But it was cool seeing, you know, like yourself, or even though you've been distant from world powerlifting, or you've never cared, but, you know, seeing people like JP Couchy and that compete at Pro Raw, I mm. thought that was awesome. And it's just, yeah, like I said, that's actually how powerlifting grows. Yeah. Where everyone comes together. And, uh, mm. Yeah, like, so, no, that was fucking, that's cool. I don't know where I'm going with this. Mm. <laughs> now, I do appreciate Pro Raw a lot for, mm. for what they bring to the table. And I definitely, I didn't always used to be like this. I, I used to be under the impression, I used to be one of those I, those IPF elitist boys where I was like, IPF's the only way. Did you wear the headband? I never wore the headband. <laughs> but it was, sold us, it was sold as a dream that one day that the IPF would be in the Olympics. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so whatever it took to keep the IPF together or hold it together, we need to do that so that we can get into the Olympics. And then slowly over time, you kind of realise that that's just a big lie. Like it's <laughs> You think powerlifting will ever be in the Olympics? No. Weightlifting's Why? getting kicked out. It's already kicked Is out. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. You're pretty good at weightlifting as well. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I see you do like some cleans in here. No, nah, it's just something else I like to have a go at. Yeah. But yeah, I, I so I used to be one of those IPF elitists and I, I used to think that um, I was always told that you shouldn't, you know, get involved with other, other federations because they were bad for you and they, they weren't good for the sport. And then when I started to move out of that realm and I started to meet with these other people, 
I was like, man, this guy cares about powerlifting just as much as I do. Why am I not allowed to hang out with you in the same room, you know, and not get banned for two years? Because that's what it was. Mm. Um, there was Ed Cohen came to New Zealand one time and uh, he was going to hold a seminar with Sebastian Orb and uh, a whole bunch of us from the IPF had bought tickets to go. And then they released a statement maybe two weeks before thing saying that anyone that went, well, it wasn't directly to the seminar, but they, it was the pretty much the, the rule was that if you went to this, you were going to get kicked out. And so the interesting thing with that is that it, it wasn't. So the way it works, what Josh is talking about, there's a wider rule on association. So prohibitive is association. You can't associate with someone who's been banned from the IPF or currently serving a sentence for something that would get you banned. Not from the IPF, sorry, from WADA. Um, so anyone who's been caught taking drugs and is serving a current ban or anyone who went to prison for using or selling drugs. Basically, you can't associate with. And then association is defined as like receiving help from, so like getting coaching or physio or something like that. Mm. So if someone went to that Ed Cohen seminar, like you could easily have fought that, but they made it so strongly like you will get banned. And they wilkes it. Yeah. Mm. And that was the classic wilkes tactics is just scare the shit out of everyone, which is again, like it's unfortunate that that happened in New Zealand, but New Zealand was always so much cooler about that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, what did you, you, you mentioned before you were doing studies. What did you study? Did you go to university? Mechanical engineering. Did you finish it? No, three years. Oh, no. Oh, just short. Yeah. Just short. Um, and then uh, there was the earth. I don't know if you guys ever heard about it here, but there was an earthquake, Thomas had heard, earthquake in Christchurch, and it pretty much crushed the whole town. And uh, university got damaged. The house I'm, that I was living in got torn in half. Were like, you in Christchurch? Yeah. Oh, I, I was doing engineering that. as well. Were you? Yeah, I didn't go back after that. So I was studying engineering. I was first year, and the earthquake happened like two months into it, and I just never went back. Damn. Mm. Yeah. Where, whereabouts in Christchurch were you living? I lived in Islam. Oh. Where, <laughs> where did you train? <laughs> I trained at the uni gym. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, my brother took me there a bunch of times when I was growing up. Yeah. There you go. I did not know you lived in Christchurch. Yeah. What What campus were you at? Were you at for uni? Uh, oh, I've... Rickerton? Rickerton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Anyway, enough Christchurch nostalgia. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. Let, okay, well, let's talk, let, let's talk about then, you know, you, you, had that, you had that rug pulled out from under you. That, that happened shortly before COVID and then there was lockdowns, you know. Yeah. Um, how did you go with coping through lockdowns? Like, obviously, we gave out all the equipment here, so you had access to some stuff. You kept training through lockdown. Yeah. Um, how did that affect you mentally? Because I know, you know, for those of you who, who haven't seen Josh train in the flesh, Josh is really quick at training. That's one thing you'll notice. Very like quick to warm up, in and out kind of guy. Um, but also you train solo, but you like to have the, the people around you, right? Yes. Like, uh, I'm very much the same. I hate training with other people, but I love training with people around me. Yeah. Um, how did you go adapting to just then having to train alone for the most part? I hated it. It was, it was a very difficult adjustment for me. Um, and also just because of the people that you're training with. So obviously if you're training with people, you kind of be, you want to be training with people that are similar strength and like on similar programs so that you can kind of work in together. So you're not, you don't have the the logistical issue of taking plates off, putting them on time. So that was my first problem. Um, And because I was training with Andy and Chris, Annie Dan. I love a chat. And they love a yarn. (laughs) They're just the opposite. I think they're just the opposite of me when it comes to training. So that was the first big adjustment. Uh, And then the, the second one was, Training by myself. I normally don't have an issue training by myself 
but I think it's just because of the prolonged period of like how many weeks it was yeah. by training yeah. by myself. And you just didn't really have that human interaction. Yeah. And it's not like I, I don't need it, but it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's nice just to finish a set and have someone say, oh, good job. Yeah. Or like, you know, you can just go over and you can talk to people and, you know, if you're, you know, you're not, you know, sometimes you use people and conversations to get yourself into the workout. Like when you, you probably, you hear that all day, but like you want to chat to people because you don't just want to go into the gym and then just start straight squatting. Yeah. I'm like, I'll come in, I'll talk some, talk some crap to the boys and then I'll, and then I'll start. It's a huge part of what the industry is. Yeah. The community. I suppose yeah. it's just that mm. routine they got interrupted. For sure. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I didn't cope very well. Hey, I, I really didn't like it. Did it then slow you down when things sort of started to get back to normal? Did it was it hard for you to find routine again, or were you sort of chomping out the bit and able to get straight back into it? Uh, no, nah, it was still it was adjustment to go back because how long were we in lockdown for? Three three months, kind of, and then it was just choppy and weird for a while. I don't know; Wait, it's kind of a blur go? now. Mm. Yeah, so I can't even remember sort of mm. that part. All I remember is I needed, I wanted to do like a peak when I came back to the gym to see how things had gone. But even then it felt really, really awkward. And uh, it just took, it just took a lot of adjusting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tried to do as much as I could during that period because I knew that I was, I was training for a competition at that time. I think it was Oceania's that I was training for, which was, it turned out to be like a month or two after lockdown had finished. Um, and I was training hard because I knew that there were people that didn't have access to equipment, the people yeah. that I was competing against. I remember I put an Instagram story up and people were like, like, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit not cool, man. But I was like, if I can maximize the time that I have now, the three months of training that I have now where other people don't have, and this is part of my like elitist sort of like mindset, right? Like I'm going to take every inch possible to, to maximize it so if i've got access to the equipment i'm going to train hard i'm going to train harder because yeah. now i know that you can't train mm. i'm going to take this and i'm just it's a, i mean it's a fucking competition it's a sport yeah like yeah it's unfortunate that people couldn't train but there's nothing wrong with having that mindset yeah for sure absolutely not okay. yeah i i do feel yeah i i think now that uh pal I, I think when powerlifting was more niche it was more acceptable to just flat out say these things and people would be like oh yeah it's pretty standard but now that like powerlifting's open to like every tom dick and harry and you've got like a lot of snowflakes around the place and you just you say something like that it really just grinds people the wrong way and you're like oh sorry yeah <laughs> uh, it, it's weird because like you know when nba players talk shit and they're real arrogant we're all like yeah that's so cool but then when like a powerlifter does it like that guy's a dick <laughs> So arrogant. Get bro, your head so out of your ass, bro. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. The sport's for everyone, man. <laughs> yeah. So then talk us through, you know, like you came out of lockdown. Obviously, comps were getting announced and then cancelled and announced and cancelled. Couldn't travel, nothing like that. Mm. Um, and so eventually you were just like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll just do an APL comp locally. And you did one of our comps. Yeah. Um, Queensland States. And then, uh, like, I, you know, obviously that wasn't wasn't completely in line with what you were doing before and just in terms of the differences in the federation and everything like that mm. then usapl popped up and now you're the you're the queensland chair of that so do you feel like you've now finally found a a, a new home in the form of usapl does it feel like things are, have got a grounding now and an actual future because the future was so uncertain for pa yeah. ipf world powerlifting for so long there yeah, like yeah. Almost two or three years now it's like well usapl's got a future yeah, for sure. Um, yes and no. No, because it's still in like the very infant stages of developing. Like we haven't even had our first comp here in, in Queensland yet. Mm. Um, 
So I think once a couple of more competitions start to run, then it'll be cool. Once we have our first nationals, that'll be cool. I think the fact that there is a clear vision for the organisation is a very good sign. Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, I think that's what a lot of federations lack sometimes is just they're being run with people with certain agendas and that agenda is not necessarily to grow the sport Mm. for everybody. It's to grow the sport for a certain niche here and there. And so I think um, what the USAPL is good for is the fact that they're already logistically set up globally. So for me personally, the reason that I am keen to compete in the USAPL is because the people that I would be in competition with I now have the chance to compete against. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I'm here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it would probably be different for, for everyone else, but the chance to go over, you know, and compete against some of these these massive names is, is really exciting for me to maybe be at the Arnold's, you know, or, you know, over in the States would be really, really cool. But yeah, I think it just gives um, everybody who was in that sort of bubble who hasn't quite yet found a home, a place. And like I said before, everyone's competing for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I think the USAPL will provide a platform for people who want to be globally competitive in Australia. Because I don't think we've quite tapped that market yet. Mm-hmm. I think we've got, uh, we can get big names over here, but we want to build like a strong, I think Australia still needs to, has a long way to go in regards to putting their name on the map around the world mm-hmm. to be like, oh yeah, when you see Australia at world champs, you're like, man, they've got some big names. They've got some big people to beat. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're at that stage yet. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's it's been much the same with Australia and New Zealand mm-hmm. is that there's the, you know, the, the odd unicorn over the years that pops up and wins a bunch of comps, but you're hundred percent right. No one looks at, looks at Australia and goes, oh, that's where all the big lifters are. Yeah. Um, and the more platforms that we have to get people out there to, to make some noise, the better. For sure, for sure, yeah. I think the USAPL are going to do a really good job of it as well because like, they're arguably the most organised and greatest run federation in the world. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a fan of APL, but like... For now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you can see USAPL, like they do everything so well, like the way they advertise everything. Their competitions are run so fucking professionally. Yeah. Um, just the way they market their lifters and everything. Like they are, they are the, like to me, like they're the pinnacle of powerlifting like on a global scale. Yeah. So it's really cool. Like you said, they've come over to Australia. They're just going to, all they're going to do is make powerlifting better over here. I agree. I agree. Um, they're... They're the first, if you came from Powerlifting Australia, uh, sort of world powerlifting, the biggest thing that you'll notice is just the structure of how things are run. So everything is very much, uh, how would, oh, i trying to think of the most succinct way to put this, but like it's very systematic. There are yeah. very, very set systems in place for everything. Mm-hmm. And everything has like a certain line and everything has a way of being dealt with specifically. So, um, I think that's what I really like about it. There's not a lot of, a lot of thinking to do. Um, not a lot of problems that you've come across before that haven't happened before. So um, I'm really excited to see, yeah, what, what, what happens and sort of what lifters decide to take the stage with USAPL. Um, but yeah, just, I'm just rolling with it at the moment and uh, just doing my best. Yeah, and I just wanted to be a part of something where I could sort of help the sport grow and sort of give back. I I never wanted to be a person that owned a gym. I never wanted to own a gym. And I never wanted to be like a full... (laughs) (laughs) And I never wanted to be like a full-time coach is the other thing I never wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So I I was always sort of looking for a way to... What's my way to give back to powerlifting? And so that's when I started, you know, helping out at comps and stuff like that. And 
uh, I think this is probably a role that's pretty good for me and I'm going to make the most of it and, uh, yeah, the, do the best I can. Yeah. You give so much back. Yeah, I try. Yeah. Absolutely. Really That's awesome, try. man. It's cool. For me, it's cool. It's like you got named as the state chair of USAPL and you still come and commentate uh, MC APL Nationals. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, you're trying to grow the sport. You're not just trying to grow USAPL. You're helping out powerlifting in the whole, which is mm. awesome. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're getting towards the end, so we'll, we'll throw a qu- couple of quick fire questions. All right. Three. F- who's your three favorite powerlifters? All time. All time. Uh... This is tough. Dan Green. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, C.T. Fletcher. Whoa. Yeah, C.T. I, he used to be one of like the YouTube channel that I would watch to amp myself up for bench press. Wow. It's still your motherfucking Yes. Set. Yes. <laughs> Do you know who C.T. Fletcher is? Oh, we need to educate you. Bro. Oh, Bridget, man. This is like, o- so useless to be fair, this, this is like, this is OG, OG powerlifters though. Um, and the other dude who was really inspirational to me when I first started was Richard Hawthorne. Oh, the ant. The ant. So Richard Hawthorne was like a 66 kg oh, lifter. Yeah. And he used to lift in the animal cage. Yeah. And I just remember the first time I ever saw him deadlift, he did, he deadlifted something stupid. Like it was maybe 600 pounds or whatever yeah. under at 66. And I was like, absolutely <laughs> mind blown. I was like, how, how? And so, yeah. So my fascination with powerlifters is like, seeing dudes that small lift that much weight because like in my brain i'm like that's not right yeah. <laughs> that's photoshopped <laughs> it's the modern lamar gant you know that yes. guy yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what happened to richard hawthorne he's still around yeah. he's still lifting yeah still doing low he's just helping out local comps what a mm. guy yeah but yeah those are my top three nice who's your favorite athlete of all time any sport <sighs> rafael nadal nice He's yep. one of my favorites too. Yeah, you're a bit of a tennis guy. I you play tennis. I love tennis. Did you ever play competitively? Went to nationals one time. Really? Yeah, it's about it. <laughs> How old were you then? Uh, like 15. Nice. That's yeah. sick. Yeah, I was going to say, it's quite. Uh, you rotate very well for a very strong uh, powerlifter. Oh, man. No. That's, no, I don't. <laughs> it's a really political way of saying you rotate well for a nugget. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I rotate for tennis like I walk out my squats. <laughs> just what other walk. sports have you done competitively? Uh, what do you mean competitively? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you went to nationals for tennis. Was there anything else crazy like that? Oh, hockey. Really? Yeah, field yeah. hockey. CJ. No. Wait, who's, who do we speak about with hockey the yeah. other day? Yeah, and they were like, yeah. not ice hockey, but the oh, other one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's set up a one-on-one match in the gym. Yeah. Oh, yes. Nabi came for that. Yeah. Filipino thunder. <laughs> Versus thunder thighs. <laughs> um, yeah, I think those are probably the only two I played at like a at a national level. Yeah. Oh, and oh. dragon boating. At a dragon boating boat. What's that? Such That's, a Kiwi thing. Yeah, I was going to say this a New Zealand thing. Yeah, eh? what is that? It's like you just row in a boat. Yeah. You got like a boat. Like a big, like a Viking ship almost. Yeah. yeah. And With you like sit a on, bunch of other people? Or just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like sitting in a boat and you've got like one oar and you only like row on one side. No and so way. you just, yeah, you're just doing this the whole time. Yeah. Did, did you have a side? Did they put people on sides? Yeah, I was on the, I was on the right hand side. That's why my right hand's so much bigger. Uh, you can only invite three people to dinner. Who are they? At the same time? Dead or alive. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's tough. Uh, 
Albert Einstein. Nice. LeBron James. The nice. king. And, oh, this is tough. Um, ben Shapiro. Oh, nice. There's a weird combination. <laughs> a real weird combination. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like what pops up on my TikTok <laughs> feed, and that's that's pretty much a brief brief explanation of my TikTok feed. I want to know what Ben Shapiro and Albert Einstein are going to have in common. Chaka, what's his name in the mix? Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that guy mix. too. I love that guy too. He's always crying too. You guys are similar. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he always crying. Yeah, he always yeah, he cries. <laughs> no, he yeah he does. Um, fuck, I had a good one, but I've forgotten it. Can't remember. Good. You got any questions? Or Thomas uh, projects his memory. Favorite album of all time. Oh yeah, yeah My, mine was gonna be your muso. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say favorite oh, artist. But yeah. Let's go favorite album. God, that is so hard. Favorite album? Bridget's is Evanescence. <laughs> was it really? No. <laughs> it was, wasn't no, it? No, it's not. It absolutely is not. What was your, What was yours? My favorite album changes all the time, but one that always pops to mind is the Black Album by Jay Z. Yeah, it's up there, eh? Mm. Thomas, I don't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> we all know yours is going to be Shafu. <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I think my favorite album is. I think I'm gonna have to say the Black Album. No, 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 the College Dropout. Yeah, great album. College Dropout. That is a great album. Kanye, nice goat. All right, Josh Dakua, thank you so much for coming Thanks, on board. Josh. Great, thank you for having me. That went what so a legend. fast. We only get good people on the podcast, Josh. So you're a good bloke. Appreciate that. Yeah. All Sweet. right, that's us. Catch Bye. us next time. All right. Bye. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.